On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. Okay, off day. Time to hit the reset button. Home stretch is here, y'all. Only one more off day the rest of the year. There's only 19 games to go. It is going to be over before you know it. Welcome into Brewers Weekly. I'm Dominic Catronio. Yankees coming to town. Mets coming to town. Time to show uh, some Midwest hospitality to the New Yorkers coming out here. And let's let's get out in front of this. It's going to be loud in there. There's going to be a lot of Yankee fans. Don't act surprised when you see a lot of Yankee fans. Remember, the Yankees haven't been in Milwaukee since 2014. 2014! They haven't even played head-to-head since 2017. We're going to look at some of the box scores from the last time the Yankees were here. That's a little bit later on in the show. There's some fun names on this that we're going to go over. We're going to look at some injury updates. We're also going to talk about Roberto Clemente Day today as 50th anniversary of uh, his final 3,000th hit. Of course, gone far too soon in a tragic plane crash while delivering aid to Nicaraguan earthquake victims. Roberto Clemente was my favorite player. Uh, I remember I did a book report on him growing up. I was maybe seven or eight years old. And hearing his story and getting the chance to watch his highlights and seeing documentaries about him or old stories of the Pirates and those great teams that he was on, I just fell in love with the way he played and the way that everyone gravitated to him. Roberto Clemente has always been that guy for me that I have no connection to the city of Pittsburgh. I'm not Puerto Rican. But everything about him was just beautiful about the game. And days like today, I love to sit back and see baseball giving its due to the Clemente family. Today, the Pirates were in New York taking on the Mets. They had a beautiful ceremony. Former Roberto Clemente Award winners were there. They had both Roberto Clemente's son and his grandson, Junior and the third, throw out the first pitch. It was a very, very well-done ceremony. A lot of folks in the Clemente family and in around baseball have been pushing to give Clemente's number of 21 the same treatment as Jackie Robinson, to have his 21 retired across all of baseball. Obviously, it is retired with the Pittsburgh Pirates. That was not announced tonight. Marley Rivera has been a a strong champion of it for years. It is not going to happen yet, but they will continue to see if that can be something in the future. Personally... I'm all for it. Roberto Clemente is one of those titans of the sport that when you say Jackie Robinson, when you say Roberto Clemente, you know exactly the number, the player, the team. And you know what they stood for, what they went through, what they mean to the rest of the world is most, is so important. You look at what he's done, humanitarian aid back in, in the 70s and 80s when it wasn't necessarily, or I should say the 60s and 70s, it wasn't necessarily, you know, known to be the guy that give humanitarian aid, to be a superstar player, and to go out of your own way to do that. I think it's a beautiful thing that we celebrate Roberto Clemente, and if you're wondering, well, if they're celebrating it and not everybody's playing, what the heck, next year, every team will be playing on Roberto Clemente Day, and they still have the Roberto Clemente home uh, Award. And the Brewers nominee for humanitarian aid is Brent Suter. And you can vote for him at Brewers.com. Every team gets a nomination. Brent Suter 
is the Brewers nominee for the Roberto Clemente Award. You ask anybody who has won the award, it is their favorite honor ever. MVPs, World Series MVPs, Cy Youngs, they all say the Roberto Clemente Award is the one they mean that means most to them. So I wanted to start the show with that. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts. If you watch Roberto Clemente, R- Roberto Clemente play, if you have a, a similar feeling about a different player, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. You can text us. You can call us. You can tweet me at dom underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O. Again, D-O-M underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O. We got to talk about Brewers. We got to talk about the tough game yesterday in St. Louis. We are going to tip our cap to Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright, but Adam Wainwright tipped it back to the Brewers. More on that in a second. Coming up, we're just getting going here on Brewers Weekly on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Back with more Brewers Weekly after this. The Brewers get ready to return home. A quick little high and by with the St. Louis Cardinals this past week. They split the series, and now they get ready for the Yankees with the Mets to follow that. The Brewers are in this gauntlet of eight consecutive games against teams leading their divisions. The Central is out of the picture, in my opinion. I mean, eight games back with 19 to go, that, that's, that's just about over with. But the wild card, they are very much still alive. Two games back, essentially three, though, we're going to remind it all the way through. The Brewers do not own the tiebreaker against San Diego, nor do they own it against Philadelphia. San Diego is playing later tonight, coming up in about 20 minutes. They'll be playing in Arizona, and certainly the Brewers know how good Arizona has been playing as of late, but San Diego's had uh, Arizona's number this season, so we'll see what the finals are out there in the Valley of the Sun. Right now, the Brewers 76 in 67. They have played the same number of games now as San Diego. San Diego will be one more game than them starting tonight. Then Philadelphia is two and a half games clear of San Diego all of a sudden. So they're trying to create some separation heading down the stretch here. The Brewers have this gauntlet with the Yankees and the Mets, and then only two more games with St. Louis, and that'll be at home, mind you. The wild part about this schedule 15 of 19 to end the year at home. Just a four-game set in Cincinnati. That'll keep things light and easy for the Brewers. Their remaining home opponents, the Yankees, the Mets, the Cardinals for two. Then they've got the Marlins and the Diamondbacks to finish off the season at home. The Brewers obviously need to be above 500 during this stretch, but they need to be excelling above 500. Do you agree? 855 616 one six twenty is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What number do you want to see them try to reach, and what do you think will be enough for them to get into the postseason? Nineteen games to go, seventy-six wins. Is there a target? Is there a number that they need to get to? We all like to say, "Oh, ninety wins should get you in." I don't think there's a guarantee of that this year. What do you want to see from the Brewers here down the stretch? Let's talk about yesterday's game and. A split, I'm convinced, though, if you talk to a lot of people saying, hey, you're going to split with the Cardinals, knowing you're going to have a bullpen day on Tuesday, and then Corbin Burns pitching on Wednesday, you probably thought, oh, they're going to lose the bullpen game and then win with Corbin Burns on the mound. And it went in reverse, which is why I think a lot of folks were disappointed, thinking, oh, they had a chance to go 2-0 because they won the bullpen game. But on the other side, tip our cap. Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. 
Look, Adam Wainwright has been a thorn in the Brewers fan sides for a long, long, long time. And I can say with certainty, he loves playing in this city. He loves the fan base here. He also loves the golf courses here, but I digress. Adam Wainwright loves it here. And yesterday was historic. Something we'll never see ever again. 325th start together with Yadier Molina as a starting battery, setting the major league record. I mean, think about that. 325 games together. A lot of guys don't even play 200 games with one team, let alone 300, and with the same battery mate. This is what it sounded like at Bush Stadium yesterday. Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina are the first two out of the St. Louis dugout as they set a major league record. The most games started by a battery in MLB history. They get a standing ovation here from what is close to a capacity crowd. Yeah, 47,000. Wainwright said after the game it felt like a playoff game, and it sounded like it too. It was a, it was a really, really cool moment. Again, let alone having 325 starts in the big leagues. To have 325 starts to the same guy? Hat tip, man. That That is incredible longevity to stay healthy. Not many catchers make it to 40, man. Yadier Molina, I, I, I salute those guys. And obviously the Brewers and the Cardinals are has not gone the Brewers' way this season. But respect and, uh, well... Yadier Molina's only got a couple more weeks of terrorizing the Brewers, to say the least. The game didn't go the Brewers' way. They went 0-9 for with runners in scoring position in a 4-1 to loss. And you know what the phrase is, just couldn't get the big hit. You know, we need that next single within a, in a couple situations that probably produce two runs or a double produces two runs, maybe even three runs, but uh, just it just wasn't there. Craig Council, yep, the big hit just was not there for the Brew crew last night. All nine hit, or all ten hits were singles after having all the doubles on Tuesday night. I'm not mad about it. You've seen this song and dance happen a lot. They've won games like this, too. They weren't drawing walks. I think against a lesser pitcher than Adam Wainwright, they would have had a better shot. But it's in the past. The Yankees are awaiting. We're going to preview them in just a second. But I teased before saying, well, Adam Wainwright wanted to tip his cap to the Brewers. And specifically, Christian Yelich. So, all of this pageantry, right, pregame, talking about, oh, three, 325, 325, this is the big moment, this is it. As soon as he throws a pitch, it is official. They have started the game, right? Well, don't you think that if you're the leadoff hitter, that's going to be a meatball right down the middle? Oh, man, I got a chance to rain on this parade. I'm Christian Yelich. I got a chance to, to do something. He took the first pitch. And you may have noticed, he kind of shut down when he took the pitch. And Adam Wainwright recognized that and wanted to thank Christian Yelich postgame yesterday. I'll tell you one moment that was really special was when Yelich took the first pitch. I mean, I thought that was just a really classy move, and you could tell he was just going to kind of give that to us, you know, and I thought it it did cross my mind that, you know, he's a great hitter, got a lot of power. You know, he hits the first ball into the stands. It's like, (laughs) do I want that ball back? I don't know. You know, it's the first – it's a pretty cool ball, but it's also not very cool. So I appreciated him doing that. Yeah, Adam Wainwright, always classy. Appreciated him giving the shout-out to Yelich. And the Brewers lost the game. They would have loved to have rained on the parade, but it didn't happen in that way. Now they get ready for the Yankees. We're going to preview that series coming up next. A few texts coming in here as well. 855-616-1620. A couple of questions out there for you. What are your memories of Roberto Clemente? If you have them, are there any other players that give you similar feelings? Also, what is your ideal win total right now? What do you think gets them into the postseason? 
They're at 76 wins right now. It's going to be over in the blink of an eye. More to come here on Brewers Weekly on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Back with more Brewers Weekly after this. Happy off day. Hope you've enjoyed uh, maybe some Thursday night football. Maybe you're on your way to the Post Malone concert. I bet he's on the stage by now. Nonetheless, I'm Dominic Catronio. This is Brewers Weekly. It is Roberto Clemente Day in Major League Baseball. Uh, I talked about at the very beginning of the show how much he's meant to me and to a lot of Latin American players. Uh, I invite your texts and calls as well. In fact, Doug and Baraboo wants to chime in as well about Roberto Clemente. Doug, what are your memories of the great one playing? I got to see, well, uh, first of all, good evening. I've got to see Roberto Clemente play many times. I, you know, I was a uh, youngster Milwaukee Braves fan and then right up through uh, high school till the Braves left in 1965. And you, you mentioned what he reminded you of as another player, and the obvious answer would be Hank Aaron. Uh, you know, both playing right field, Roberto Clemente, um, had a, a great arm and could hit the ball. Obviously, he didn't have the home runs like Hank did, but uh, just an unbelievable player. And over the years, to get to, um, to learn what he did as far as charity and, and so on with, with that. And uh, when I was uh, a youngster, we lived out in Quantico on uh, up the Phantom Lake, and several of the pirates used to stay in the resort next to us. Unfortunately, I never got to meet uh, Roberto Clemente, but I got to meet Elroy Face, Harvey Haddix, and Ted Kozuski. Um, what an uh, unfortunate, tragic ending to uh, Clemente's uh, life. That aircraft uh, that took off, that pilot, he should have had a co-pilot and an engineer. He took off by himself flying that aircraft, which is illegal. And the other part of it was it was way, way overweight. Uh, and, you know, they lost an engine even though they had four. He should have gotten up more altitude and tried to come back and land, but he tried to turn it around and, and went into the ocean. Uh, just uh, an unbelievable individual, and it's so neat to have that uh, day-to-day to celebrate yeah. Roberto Clemente. Yeah, I agree. Thanks for the for the kind words, and thanks for your memories as well, Doug. Thanks for the, the, the call here. 855-616-1620 if you want to join in as well. In case you were wondering, Roberto Clemente, in his career at County Stadium, he played in 98 games in his career at County Stadium. He hit three twenty two here, of course. He hit nine homers, 20 doubles. 20! That's, I mean... It, it was whole home for him. It was the uh, third most, excuse me, fourth most doubles in a ballpark for him that wasn't his home ballpark. Pretty crazy stuff. Uh, he was one of the best, one of the best ever, and we lost him far too soon. Again, Roberto Clemente Day today across Major League Baseball. Also some history earlier today that the Rays, ironically enough, on this day, the Rays turned in the first ever all-Latin position player lineup. One through nine, excluding the starting pitcher, one through nine position players in DH were all Latin American born. On, on, on the day, though, no, no Puerto Ricans. But it, I thought that was a, a beautiful moment. And, of course, on Roberto Clemente Day, that record falls. Let's talk about the Yankees now. The Yankees coming to town for the weekend. Two night games today and tomorrow. and or, uh, Tomorrow and uh, Saturday, excuse me. And then Sunday, the day game. Pitching matchups. Frankie Montas, the righty tomorrow. 
a, a trade acquisition from the Oakland A's against Adrian Hauser, six and nine, four point six one ERA for Adrian. Saturday night, Jameson Tyone, seen plenty of him with the Pirates. He's thirteen and four with a three nine four ERA. And then Brandon Woodruff gets the ball Saturday night, ten and four, three point three four ERA. And then Sunday, Garrett Cole will be starting against Jason Alexander. Now, if you want to pick two different starters, Garrett Cole, pure power, will snap a curveball on you versus Jason Alexander, finesse, sinker, ground ball, not afraid of contact. I'm intrigued to see how that one's going to go on Sunday. The Brewers, of course, will hope it's for a sweep, but it's not that easy. Aaron Judge is coming to town. In my my view now, I, for a long time, I've been fighting the Shohei Otani fight, saying, look, Shohei Otani should be getting serious consideration for American League MVP, and it kind of peaked right in that series of the Angels and Yankees, and then now it's all Judge. I mean, Judge has a chance to win the Triple Crown in the American League. He's leading all of baseball in the following. Runs scored. Homers. Runs batted in. On-base percentage. Slugging percentage. OPS. OPS plus, total bases, and intentional walks. He's one of the best, and he's coming to town. The Brewers are going to have to do something they're not used to doing, intentionally walking. Craig Council is not an, a guy that likes to walk batters, and he hasn't really done it this year, especially with the bat, with the pitcher not batting anymore. There's no reason to intentionally walk an 8-hitter to face a 9-hitter anymore with the pitcher being there. I wonder how aggressive or how passive he's going to be with Aaron Judge at the plate with runners on base. Is he going to intentionally... Four fingers, let's see, with Stanton is back. So that gives a little bit of protection for Judge. That's something to keep an eye out for. Because in the second half, the Yankees as a team are only hitting 228. They're under 500 in the second half. But Judge, he's hitting 360. He's got a 1321 OPS in the second half. 13! The Yankees as a team... 690. Almost double what Judge is doing on his own in the second half versus the rest of the team. Insanity. 24 homers in the second half. He is the cog that makes things go for New York. And that is obviously, to say the least, who you have to contain this coming week. Looking at the text line now, I ask, what's your win total? What's your ideal win total? 855-616-1620. The Brewers are at 76 wins right now. One texter asks, is 88 wins enough? It's going to be right on the border. I think 88 wins might tie you with the Padres. Because that, that would put the Padres at going 10-9 and nine down the stretch. But it would be enough for them to get into the postseason. Because of the tiebreaker. If the Brewers and Padres end up both with 88 wins, the Padres get in. So I don't know, I don't know if 88 is enough. I think 89 might sneak in. Doug, who just called in, also agrees with that. Padres aren't quite putting it together, but Josh Hader is looking good again. Yeah, he did look good the other night. But you can't act surprised. You know Josh Hader's what you know what Josh Hader's capable of. We always knew he was going to get it back back on track. The Brewers have a lot of work to do, not a lot of time to do it. And it starts against a quality team in the New York Yankees, facing some really good arms. The good news is they're only facing righties. 
So, yes, they beat a lefty on Tuesday, but the southpaw slump has been real this season for the Brew Crew. Let's talk a little bit of minor leagues here in just a second. Some really prospects, some great prospects in the Brewers organization have been tearing it up in AAA as of late. I'm sure you've heard their names. We're going to talk a little bit more about them coming up on Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. More Brewers Weekly coming up on WTMJ. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. We're getting ready for the home stretch. Brewers and Yankees and Mets on this homestand. Six straight games against the New York teams. Pretty rare. We were talking about the Yankees as far as this current roster. But what about the roster of old? That's right. The Yankees haven't been here since 2014. 2014! A lot has changed since 2014, to say the least. Craig Council wasn't even the manager at the time. The Brewers were still trying to find their footing. David Stearns wasn't even here yet. It's kind of amazing to think about. It's really only eight years, but these rosters... Looking at them, it really made me chuckle because of how different. The Yankees didn't make the postseason that year. They were led, in case you were wondering, looking at their uh, stats here on Baseball Reference, their top war player that year was Brett Gardner. It was a weird year in 2015 for the the Bronx Bombers. Chase Headley played for them. Masahiro Tanaka was still stateside. But let's look back at those box scores here before we talk about the minor leaguers. The last time the Yankees were in Milwaukee, May 11th was the last time it was a weekend series, the 9th, 10th, and 11th. And the Brewers actually won the series, and they won the last one on a walk-off. Looking at the lineup from the Sunday finale, Brewers win 6-5. to They started out 24-14 and after this win. Starting lineup for the Brewers, Carlos Gomez leading off. Logan Schaefer batting second and right. Ricky Weeks batting third, playing second base. Lyle Overbay, cleanup at first base. Mark Reynolds, the third baseman, he's batting fifth. KD, Chris Davis in left field. Gene Segura at short. Martin Maldonado, he was batting eighth. And the starting pitcher for that game was Matt Garza. Scooter Jeanette, Jonathan Lucroy, and uh, Caleb Gimdel all came off the bench in this game. Brewers won on a walk-off, 6-5 in the bottom of the ninth inning. A walk-off single by Mark Reynolds off of Adam Warren. Remember, he was really good for the Yankees for a few years. The Yankees lineup, Jeter was in the lineup. Ellsbury was in the lineup. Mark Teixeira was in the lineup. Carlos Beltran pinch hit in that game. Ichiro Suzuki started that game for the Yankees. These names are just sending me down a rabbit hole. Alfonso Soriano came off the bench. Brendan Ryan came off the bench. Pitchers, Dellum Batansis. David Phelps started the game. Rob Wooten got a hold in this game for the Brewers. He faced one batter, got an out. No more three batter, uh, no three batter minimum back in those days. Will Smith got a hold too. I just really had some fun with that, looking at uh, the old box scores from the last time the Yankees were here in the good land. But let's talk about some minor leaguers here. The Brewers, really, for the first time in a while perhaps are more excited about their position players than their pitchers. 
You know, we, we heard a lot about Burns and Peralta and Hayter and even Hauser when they were acquired. Ashby last year, and and this year was Ethan Small. Granted, Ethan's kind of had a topsy-turvy year, but for the first time in a while, the Brewers are like, well, wait, well, you should look at the position players, too. It does have some Ryan Braun feel. I'm not saying any of these guys are going to become Ryan Braun, but I'm saying, hey, there's this legitimate top 10 prospect in baseball on the way. And that was Ryan Braun. Or even before that, it was Prince Fielder. You know, the position player prospects. Right now, the Brewers have multiple top 100 prospects potentially coming up in this offseason list. Headlined by Jackson Trudio. Jackson's just 18 years old and he's in double-A. He's going to spend the final week of the year in double-A with Biloxi. And he was with the uh, the T-Rats up in Appleton for a long time this season. But with that season ending last week, the Brewers figured, well, let's get him a few more at-bats. Let's get him ready to go for the pitching that he's going to see next season, they hope, in Biloxi, in the Southern League, which is a very pitcher-friendly league. Some big ballparks, humid, heavy air. It's, uh, it's tough to hit there. And then, who knows how quickly he'll go to Nashville, but the names that you are being heard comped to Jackson Trudio while he's in the organization, again, just 18 years old. The number one name that keeps being brought up by prospect riders, not me, this is the prospect riders talking, is Ronald Acuna Jr. I, I mean, I'd never love putting a household name like that on a young prospect, a guy that can't even legally buy a Miller Lite. Lo and behold, though, that's a name that you don't mess around with. Ronald Acuna Jr., Jackson Trudio, in this organization? Holy cow. That's impressive. But how about the guys that can make a little bit more immediate impact? We've already seen Este Uy Ruiz briefly play in the big leagues this year. Hasn't had regular playing time, so they figured let's get him regular at-bats down in the in AAA right now because obviously the Brewers need to win right now. It's not so much of a development phase in September like maybe in years past. So he's playing great down in AAA right now. He had a home run today already. He had five stolen bases last night. He's got nearly 80 stolen bases in the minors this year. He's legitimate 80-grade speed. Can't wait to see him maybe a little more regular action in the big leagues. Already have seen Garrett Mitchell up. He's slumping a bit. He's learning the adjustment. He's learning there's no bigger, no better league than this one. Give him some time. Left-handed bat. Plays some great defense as well in center. He had that great catch in the finale against Pittsburgh. And Sal Freelich. Sal Freelich, man. He's on fire. He's already reached base today. It's his 110th game of the season today. He's got a 32-game on-base streak right now. He's reached base in all but one game in AAA this year. He hit two homers last night. He sprays it all over the place. He's not necessarily a power prospect, but he's got great speed, great instincts in the outfield. Multi-sport athlete growing up in Massachusetts. He's somebody the Brewers can get really excited about because this Brewers team, after watching what the Diamondbacks did to them a couple of weeks ago in Arizona, and you saw the same profile from a ton of their hitters. A ton of speed, contact, and a little bit of power. I mean, Dalton Varsho is on fire right now. Shout out to the Panthers. Shout out to UW-Milwaukee. But... Corbin Carroll, Jake McCarthy, uh, Alec Thomas, and even Cattell Marte when he was younger, not, not so much of a speed guy, speed guy now, Josh Rojas at third base. How many third basemen steal 20 bags? That's what Josh Rojas is doing. The Brewers suddenly have guys like that arriving. The Freelichs, the Ruizes, the Mitchells, and even Joey Weimer, who has the stolen base ability with the home run ability. 
He's got a 20-20-20 season, meaning 20 doubles, 20 homers, 20 stolen bases in the minor leagues this year. That's really freaking good. That's impressive to watch. So when the Brewers tried to make a deal at the trade deadline, I'm going to wrap up the point with this. When the Brewers tried to make a deal for a hitter, they did their best. But perhaps the phone call required, we want Weimer, we want Churio, we want these top guys. And the Brewers, you know what? Maybe not. Maybe not worth it. Let's hang on to these guys and see what they were worth maybe in the winter, maybe next year. But nonetheless, the Brewers might be rewarded for their patience coming up here soon. we got plenty more to come here on Brewers Weekly. A few more texts rolled in, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. The talk and text line, we're talking to Roberto Clemente. We've talked about the Brewers' win total, 88, 89. Is 90 realistic? They've got 76 right now. Home stretch is coming. We're gonna, we got to look at the rest of the homestand. We're going to look around baseball today as well. More coming up here on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Catch more Brewers Weekly coming up on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brew crew getting ready for the Yankees over the weekend. Coverage begins tomorrow at 6.35 with the On Deck Show. We got a Brewers warm-up coming up on Saturday. We have Brewers extra innings tomorrow night and Saturday night. But no Brewers extra innings on Sunday. Well, because the Packers are playing Sunday night football on Sunday. So uh, no Brewers extra innings on Sunday. Just get ready for uh, the pregame show with Greg Matzik. And then also we'll have Pack Attack after the game right here on WTMJ. Getting back to the text line here. Quick note on Roberto Clemente. A few folks have really had some good anecdotes here as well. Nate in Libertyville talking about the story that today being the brew or excuse me the Rays were the first team to have an all latino lineup 1 through 9 well Roberto Clemente was a part of the all first all latino and black lineup in 1971 September 1st 1971 so just a, about 2 weeks ago almost f- just over 50 years ago that Clemente was a part of that so that's a, a really good note good call there Nate and I, I I forgot about that moment. Uh, September 1st, 1971, the first all-black and Latino lineup for the Pittsburgh Pirates and in Major League Baseball history. So fitting that today is the first Latino lineup for the Tampa Bay Rays of all time. Now, Mike in Colorado, a very young baseball fan, Roberto Clemente, was his favorite player. Bought his bat at the sports store and still have that 35-inch bat standing in the corner of our bedroom. He could run like the wind and throw like a cannon. Absolutely, Mike. If if there are youngins listening that haven't really seen Roberto Clemente highlights and aren't really familiar, just look up his... Th- just look up... All you got to do on YouTube, Roberto Clemente arm. That's all you have to do. And you will be mesmerized of what he did back at Old Forbes Field. It, it Legitimately, five-tool, honestly isn't enough tools. It's it's not describing his skill set enough as a five-tool player. He was better than that. He was beyond a five-tool player. He was transcendent. He was one of the best to ever do it, and his career was cut far, far too short. Now, today, the Pirates were playing in New York, taking on the Mets, and what was cool about it, they had a beautiful ceremony pregame with his son and his grandson, but there is a superstar Puerto Rican playing for the Mets right now, Francisco Lindor. And Lindor went deep. He hit a home run today. Remember when Lindor, I believe it was in 2017, if I'm not mistaken, when Cleveland played in Puerto Rico 
and everyone went nuts when he hit that home run. I, I bet the emotion was really boiling inside of him for that moment because when he talked to Puerto Ricans, what Roberto Clemente means, every one of them play baseball because of Roberto Clemente. Yadier Molina, Puerto Rican. Victor Caratini, Puerto Rican. So I'm sure we'll hear more from those guys tomorrow about the legacy of Roberto Clemente and what he means to them as baseball players. Meanwhile, though, the Mets are leading 6-1 to one over the Pirates right now. The Cardinals are playing tonight, by the way. The Cardinals are down 3-1 at the top of the eighth against the Cincinnati Reds. So that's something. There is some good news, though, in the wild card race. The Phillies lost. Phillies lost in the Marlins. Granted, the Phillies are ahead of San Diego in the standings. Phillies lost by a final of 5-3, to three, but the game that we're really keeping an eye on and is obviously only just getting going before this uh, the show wraps up is the Padres and the Diamondbacks. Sean Manaya getting the start for San Diego. He's going up against uh, Dre Jameson, one of their new prospects called up for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Just getting going, no score in the bottom of the first out at Chase Field. So the Padres and Diamondbacks getting ready to start a four-game series over the weekend. All right, we're going to get ready to wrap up the show here in just a moment. Brewers Weekly, it's been a pleasure to be here with you. Uh, Get to a few more final texts here as well with the win total. And uh, we'll just get ready to see the Yankees and enjoy a a fun weekend of baseball and what the Brewers need to do down the stretch. Don't go anywhere. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Back with more Brewers Weekly after this. A ton of detailed texts coming in about the win total question. Love it. You guys are locked in like me when I'm doing stats. I'm Dominic Catronio, getting ready to wrap up Brewers Weekly here. Six-game homestand coming up. Brewers hosting the Yankees and the Mets. And the Mets, the good news there, the Brewers are going to miss Jacob deGrom, at least as, as it stands right now. You are going to see Garrett Cole from the Yankees, but you do get to miss Jacob deGrom. And Max Scherzer is still on the injured list, so the Brewers are going to get lucky in both of their series Missing both aces, the one in New York and the one here, they will not see DeGrom or Scherzer. So they got that going for them. <laughs> Once again, a reminder of the question about win total. The Brewers are 76 and 67 right now. Right now, the, the Padres are 78 and 65, but they're playing right now against the Diamondbacks. What's the win total? What, what's the win total that gets you in? I think 90 comfortably gets you in. 89 potentially. I think 88 is going to end up being a tie. And one text here, man, you you brought out all the stops here. I wish you put your name or where you're from here. But as far as how many games the Brewers need to win the season, here's my analysis. This is from the texture, not from me. I'm not going to claim this ownership. The the present third wildcard team is the San Diego Padres, the 78-65 win-loss record, resulting in a 545 winning percentage. I'm quoting here, guys. Applying that season-long winning percentage to an entire season of MLB games, the Padres would be projected to win... dot, 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 88.29 games. That's keeping a 545 times 162. Yeah, that makes sense. Therefore, since the Padres would likely win 89 games, based on that projection, the Brewers would need to win a minimum of 90 games in order to avoid a tie. And since the Brewers' team record is currently 76-67, and 67, the team would need to go 14-5 and five over the remaining 19 games in order to beat the Padres with a 90-72 and 72 record. Beautiful analysis. I mean, I, I, I'm proud of that. That should be, 
you know, a full dissertation in the Saber Analytics community. Uh, I'm proud of you. Welcome to the club. Uh, really, really good job on that text. Yeah, I think 90 is the number. I think 90 is going to be the number. It's not the end of the world if it isn't, because the Padres are under 500 since the trade deadline. Neither one of these teams has really wanted it, per se, it feels like at times. Obviously, the Brewers have a worse record than the Padres since the trade deadline. But the Brewers, despite all the adversity, if you're still breathing, you're still kicking, right? If you're in a boxing match, you're still breathing, you're still punching. And the Brewers are still punching. And this is where, this is the stretch where you can say, oh, they do have it in them. If you can sneak two series wins at home over the Yankees and over the Mets, that's where confidence comes from. Believing you can do it. Believing against good teams that you can get in. And here's, here's where it gets really spicy, too. If the Brewers pull this off, they would be knocking out the Padres or the Phillies, potentially. We shouldn't, we shouldn't discredit the fact that the Phillies, yes, they've got 80 wins now, but crazier things have happened. Whoever it is they knock out, let's say it's the Padres. After that trade, after August 1st, after everything that went down, them getting Soto and Bell and trading the entire farm to go all in these two years and the Tatis stuff, and now the pitching isn't great. There's a whole lot going on there with San Diego. But if the Brewers still somehow get in over them, could you imagine the headlines? Could you imagine the reaction? And then here's where the spicy part comes in. So the Brewers get in. They'll be playing good baseball, obviously, to get in if they knock out the Padres. You know who they would be facing if the playoffs started today? The St. Louis Cardinals. In St. Louis. You get to see Wainwright and Molina again. You're going to see Jordan Montgomery. It's not going to be easy. But no one said it was going to be easy. What a story it will be, right? No, no sense in jumping off the ship now. There's only 19 games to go. You've made it all this way. There's a whole winter to sit and wait for baseball season. In spring, well, they already got a spring training schedule out if you want to Come wintertime, start looking at that Valley of the Sun schedule. But uh, that's going to be it for this episode of Breweries Weekly. Thanks for your participation. Thanks for letting me talk about Roberto Clemente. Loved hearing your stories and reading your texts about Roberto Clemente as well. Brewers back in action. Coverage begins at 635 tomorrow against the New York Yankees. Yankees For Justin Pottinger, back in our ones and twos here in the studio. I'm Dominic Catronio. Last Brewers Weekly for a while. We won't have one since a bunch of Thursday day games, not until the offseason. So we'll holler at you next time, but I'll see you on Brewers Extra Innings tomorrow night. News at the top of the hour. More to come here on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ.